This is Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast with Roscoe, the Fanalist, and Southey. Welcome back. Welcome. It is uh, it's a Thursday. I keep thinking it's Friday, and then I thought it was Saturday, but it is Thursday. And um, unfortunately, Steph's having... I'm going to just grab my mic here. Steph is having um, internet issues, and uh, Andrew... So they didn't give me a, a good excuse as to why he's not here, but he's not here. <laughs> Love you, bud. <laughs> um, so it is, uh, it is Justin Bean and I, the Bean Man. So thanks for joining me, Justin. No problem. Thanks for having me again. Hey, always a pleasure. Um, and just a quick little note, we are going to have guests uh, featured on the show for the next three episodes. So Saturday's game and uh, Monday and Tuesdays, we will have some special guests from the, the Twitterverse featured on the show. So uh, if you would like to come on, just shoot me a message on Twitter. Uh, I'm trying to book for the next little while. We want to include all of you because Twitter is where we have our, our fun during the games. So shoot me a message if you want to be on. Um, we did not do a show after the Seattle game because it was on at 9 p.m. on Valentine's Day here. Uh, that was not very convenient for most of us. So a lot of us missed the game. But Bean, you watched it. I saw some of the replays. Uh, this is only the second game this year I missed. I feel bad. Uh, I saw some beauty goals. That camp shorty was amazing. Uh, any anything you want to touch on from that before we get into tonight's game? Um, I felt it was a nice. Um, I don't know if tidy would be the right word, but it, it was a nice game that could have easily been a trap game. Coming off two bad losses against an opponent, you should beat. And the Leafs just they they took care of business. Um, kind of fitting that there's so many people out there wanting to trade Kerfoot not realizing how important he is to the team and he goes and scores the first goal the Leafs have ever scored against the Kraken but uh yeah no it was it was a good a nice little bounce back for Campbell as well he wasn't tested a whole lot but at least he showed that you know he wasn't letting a lot of softies by him and he got the win got the W which is really all that matters yeah, I think after a couple rough games, the spotlight was kind of on him to see if he can perform up to uh, standard. And uh, f- final note, I'd just like to say I predicted the score dead on. Um, <laughs> end of our last episode, I said 6-2 was going to be the final score. And 6-2 was the final score. Thank you so much. But of course, Jared McCann had to score because every ex-Leaf, no matter whether they played for us or not, has to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, before we get into the game, just a quick shout out uh, that I was messaged. Shout out to Pink and Blind if you're listening. Thanks for listening. Um, but tonight, the Leafs just absolutely dominated the Pittsburgh Penguins. Everybody was scared coming into this game. You know, there was lots of talk about how tough this was going to be and yada yada. And Crosby with his 500th goal. Congrats, bud. But uh, wow, the Leafs played their game. It's like we talked about keeping that zone control going and not letting uh, the other team push them around. And uh, wow, came out on top with uh, a big one. Yeah, it was it was a really good game. I not that I was afraid, but I, I figured it was going to be a tough test. Thankfully, Crosby did get his 500th the other night because I was having nightmares and envisioning him getting the big goal against the Leafs. Because it has to. Anytime some record like that's creeping up, they're going to get it against us. So, nice. yeah, a- a- absolutely. So thankfully he got it the other night, so that was done and out of the way. And no, they 
right out of the gate, Matthews gets the fastest goal in his career so far. Um, to put himself in the lead for goals in the league this year or this season already. I think he's tied with Kreider, right? Um, I believe he might be tied. Or is he one but, up? Uh, anyway, Matthews has played less games. Ah, there it is. So uh, definitely still on the rocket race, regardless of missing the first couple of weeks there and getting wrist surgery and everything. He is just on fire this season. Uh, and the Leafs were on the other side of, I mean, okay, do I want to say Pittsburgh got goal lead? Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. I haven't seen a glove flash in that much since the, like, the wall or the Hashik heydays. Like, Campbell was absolutely soupy. just unbelievable tonight. He was. I, I loved it. Um, definitely calmed the nerves a little bit of the worrying. Are we overworking him? Is he getting a little burnt out from the workload that he hasn't really had since probably his minor hockey days, right? No, he was on his game tonight. And uh, first, I guess we'll just jump into a question. Not even a question here. Kind of a question. Is Jack back from Maple Leaf fan? I say yes. I say yes as well. I mean, I don't know if we lost him. I think, I mean, he got a little shaky, but I, I think everybody in front of him got a little shaky at the same time. I don't know how much we can blame him personally. He let in a couple bad ones, but tonight, man, absolutely on fire. My fantasy team thanks you. Uh, I'm against Steph this week fighting for first place, so really needed that. <laughs> and it, it all kind of, you know, correlates around the break that happened, right? The shutdown around Christmas because the Leafs were on fire. They were rolling, and then when they came back, it was kind of like a team that had been sitting around for a couple weeks, right? Yeah, slowed them down for sure. Lost all the mojo and everything they had going, and it just took a little while to get back at it. Uh, so we got to talk about the second goal here. Morgan Riley reaching 35 kilometers an hour with an assist from Jack Campbell goes end to end. Oh my God. This one sounded so beautiful that just posting in. This was the nicest goal from Riley all season. This guy's just having a great year. You know, you worry after they sign the contracts, but man, oh, Morgan Riley. It's like he got the contract and he's like, you know what? Everybody's complained that. I'm not the defenseman that all the analysts say that I am. So I'm going to show you guys that I am and I deserve this contract. No kidding. Everyone's expecting him to do the little drop pass that a lot of us severely dislike. And he decides to just take it and go, no, this one's on me and go in and just snipe. Yeah. And uh, to keep his little streak up there, he fed comp for a beautiful shorthanded goal who is also just having a great season. I saw somebody tweet that uh, David Kampf has as many goals this year as Nick Suzuki. (laughs) Not this season, but like in 2022. Which is rough. Um, Yeah, a lot lot of those takes from from the summer and from last season about the Habs are not looking too great right now. No, Uh, but the shorthanded unit was just absolutely on fire tonight. Penalty kill just... Oh, Pittsburgh couldn't get anything going. Love to see it. I don't, I think they had more breakaways shorthanded than they had full at even strength all game, which I mean, I guess isn't unusual to happen, but they were just all over it. it it's got to almost be expected at this point too, though, because doesn't it seem like every single game there's a ben- like a too many men bench minor or something going against the Leafs? Not to sound like a homer, but we get a lot bad. of bad calls against us. Yeah, what was the one... 
was it on Taveras the highest Couple games ago yeah that no there was one just tonight broke you <laughs> there was one tonight it might have been when Marner got called I think it was Marner oh, the, the hook yeah and there was absolutely no hook at all like oh my god the game management tonight was brutal they tried yeah. everything but uh thanks for putting a shorthanded because we're playing well First bad little rebound, though, uh, Jack couldn't control, and uh, Malkin buries one to make it 3-1. to one. Not bad. I mean, it wasn't great, but hey, the Leafs were still up playing Pittsburgh, so I wasn't really concerned. That was also the third shot on that little scoring chance, too, so Jack had yeah. the first two. Defense was a bit sloppy there. You'd hope somebody would grab one of those if Jack hit, uh, couldn't, but yeah. <clears throat> Interesting to see you what happened. You also had two Malkin. forwards back. Yeah. Uh, with with Malkin into the season, whether they re-sign him or he goes somewhere else. Definitely be watching that. I, I honestly don't see him going anywhere else. I don't either. He'll just have to like, take a pay cut, I think, to stay. Yeah, some people were trying to compare him to Yager and, oh, he, need, he needs to go and, and be away from the Penguins. It's like, no, he's he's not Yager. He's not the same age that Yager was when he left. Malkin's on the tail... Not that he doesn't still have good years left in him, but he's on the tail end of his career. Yeah. As opposed to when Yager left. So it's a completely different scenario. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised even if he just kind of goes year by year at this point. Because, I mean, the Penguins don't know what to expect from him. And I don't know if he necessarily wants to stick around for the rest of his his career there. So it'll be interesting yep. to watch how that plays out. But what about Matthew's little uh, saucer pass to Bunting? That was nice. Oh, so beautiful. Stick down in front of him and he just chips it right up over it to uh, Bunting in front who buries it to make it four to one. Absolutely beautiful. Last handful of games, Marners said, okay, okay, Poppy, I'll take the goal scoring. So Matthews is like, okay, if you're going to score, I'll just start assisting. Yeah. And that was a, that was a great one from him as a fantasy owner of Matthews. I don't get many assists from him. So that was nice. (laughs) If they come, it's, uh, it's usually on the power play, which is beauty too. But, uh, but, Right after the goal. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was laughing so hard at this. Yeah. Matthews skates straight into the post while chasing Crosby, like teeth first into the corner <laughs> of the net. I've never seen this before in my life. I felt so bad laughing at this, and I still do. But the fact that he came back, I think it's okay. Live um, when it happened, oof. I saw the net go off, and I saw the ref, like, basically scream at him like why did you knock the net off and you just see matthews move his hand away from his mouth and and mumble something to the ref and skate off and i was thinking to myself what in the world just happened yeah and as soon as you saw the replay oh my gosh the fact that you didn't see it at full speed at all and then they show it for the first time in slow motion just him (laughs) teeth first into the post was beautiful they're the best angle that's going to be uh that's going to be a dang it of the week for sure shout out to steve that's going to be meme and tweet material for years to come oh yeah so uh, what do we think the uh the leafs have like an on-call dentist at this point probably ask for the same guy that did marner's uh marner's dental work yeah it looks like he only lost the one though yeah, it's a good thing he's already got that TH in his last name. <laughs> oh, bud. Often's going to be uh, rough for the night. <laughs> but like I said, luckily he came back uh, during a commercial break there and everybody sighed a giant sigh of relief. Um, 
because <laughs> luckily the uh, Leafs were able to hold on through the end of the game here. Penalty kill, like I said, was absolutely deadly. But uh, how about Marner getting stood up by, uh, like I tweeted, noted brick wall, Kasperi Kapanen? <laughs> what was that? Ka- yeah, the one time Kapanen's feet aren't moving. Yeah. Like, he, I-, I have no no idea where that came from. He just I think Marner was as shocked as everybody. I, I think Kapanen was just like, are you, you're just coming right at me. I might not move. I'm just going to stand here. And he just hit him <laughs> and he couldn't get by. It's just like, no, dude, I'm bigger than you. <laughs> that was so funny too. This was a, this was a fun game to watch. I gotta say. It was. And, and some, some bad calls by the refs, but at the same time, some good ones like the, um, oh, why can't I think of who scored it? The goal when he kicked the net off. The, oh, that was the camp goal. Yeah, when Jari kicked the yep. net. Yeah, because technically, by rules, defensive player knocked it off. An imminent scoring chance was happening, and it would have gone in if the net didn't move. Yeah, I mean they're being pretty light on Pittsburgh, that's for sure. But yeah. after uh, the last game against Pittsburgh and our usual history against Crosby, uh, it's nice to get a W against them. Absolutely. And Matthews was owning Crosby in the faceoff circle. Oh, yeah. So was Spezza when he stood in for him yeah. there while Matthews was out. Um, But still, I got to have to mention Nylander and Taveras are still struggling, man. What's going on? Like they were so they were the ones that no matter what was going on, they were still consistent. Whether you noticed it or not, they were still consistent and getting decent shots, whether they went in or not. But now it's like they're just invisible. Like you'll mm-hmm. see something, they'll try to set up a play in front of the net and Tavares will miss it. Like it'll just go by his stick or Nylander's pulling his missing the net by a mile and a half shots like he always does. It's it's hard to watch, man. Like what's going on with these guys? Yeah, it it's tough to say because really nothing's changed. Like Matthews, Marner, the Matthews, Marner and Bunting line is still going to get the top defensive assignments from the other team. Excuse me. Um and their line mates haven't changed. It's been basically Kerfoot on that other wing the entire time. Yeah. So I'm, I'm. It's, it's almost. It's kind of baffling. Yeah. But I mean, luckily Marner tonight. and Matthews have been. Oh, sorry. I just. Uh, I think we had a little lag there, so I thought you'd stop talking. My bad. No, no, no. It's all good. Um, had a couple chances tonight. Like Nylander had a little one timer with a nice drop pass, but I think it might have even hit Tavares out front. Like. They just, it, it's nothing's clicking for them right now. It seems like they're always kind of working in, in different gears. Yeah, it's been, I think, since the New Jersey game was the start of noticing it when everybody was so hot except for them. But uh, now it's been like, what, five or six games since then, and they're still just, they seem to be off their game. I don't know what it is, but hopefully it doesn't last too long. And like I was going to say, Marner and Matthews are still hot. So it's not cause for concern right now especially in the middle of the season like this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we've had a couple of other guys lower down the lineup that have stepped up and been playing well. McKay have had his hot streak. Kosh has been pretty money almost the entire season. Camp has had a little hot streak here. Yeah. Everybody's been stepping up and it's it's great. I mean, for people like Kasha and Kampf and Bunting, who I literally had never heard of before this season, it's awesome to see the production we're getting out of them for like a million or less for each of them. Yep. Um, so 
there was something I wanted to talk about about this game that was different. So the Leafs um, were giving up a lot of shots tonight, uh, which is different to the last five games where they've been on the other side of that and taking 46 shots a night, which they were actually on pace for at the beginning of this game. In the first period, they had over 15 shots. So is this a game they want to play? I mean, is this okay if Jack's going to keep playing like this? Or is this something that regardless of the 4-1, like Jack can't do this every night? What do you think? Historically, um, you can't do this every night and and hope for success. Like you look at the Leafs teams of the early thousands, like that's what they did to Cujo. Yeah. And you look at even 100%. the 90s, that's what they did to Pop Van, like you have these goalies who are playing out of their minds. So you think to yourself, hey, we can risk it. We can play this high-risk, up-tempo game. Um, I didn't I didn't mind it, obviously, tonight because of the outcome. But for the most part, all season, the defense that they've played has been pretty bang on, especially over the last handful of years. Defensively, they've been getting better and better and better. Um, and I, it might just be a little bit of an, an anomaly game score metrics as well could come into effect. Like they were leading literally right off, right off the hop. That's true. So you start getting a little bit of a lead. You maybe don't focus quite as much on defense. A couple of shots that maybe you would have pressured a little harder. So they wouldn't technically be shots or now shots type of thing. Right. That's fair. That's fair. No, it definitely put things into perspective and make me do something that I call people out for. And that's just, you know, think about what you watched in the game, not the numbers. <laughs> You know, two different things. Um, so one thing that you've been mentioning a lot is the drop pass. And uh, oh, my God, Kerfoot and Mikheyev absolutely botched that one at the end. It was like Kerfoot went spidey sense and was like, I really hope you can read my mind. And Mikheyev was like, where am I going to get soup after we win this game? <laughs> Just totally Kerfoot somewhere great. else. <laughs> Love Kerfoot. I've been saying all year he's like so useful in every every opportunity every instance that you could think of needing a certain style of player or a certain person to do something in a game he does it but he's not Mitch Marner no and it, it was like <laughs> Kerfoot and McKay of thinking that they're like Zegras and Milano for a sec there or like even you know Matthews and Marner or Leon and Connor, it's like you <laughs> just put things into perspective for a hot sec here. I know you're winning, but you guys are not mind reading playmakers here. <laughs> yeah. Just like even, even Riley, Riley with the assist on the camp goal, he didn't try anything, no look behind the back or anything like that. He turned his full body and looked, hey, there's camp and passed it to him. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Um. So, real quick here. Well, I try to remember the last thing I'm talking about. I'm feeling pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Who was pretty good tonight? I'm going to go for the low-hanging fruit here, and I'm going to say Soupy. Nice. Campbell Campbell was unreal. Um, even even the goal that went in, like I said a little earlier, it was the third shot on that scoring attempt. That little rush in there. He stopped the first one. There was a pass across, which he ended up getting a piece of, trying to deflect it, and then that's when Malkin got it and buried. The glove saves he was making, like a one-timer from Malkin in the top 
like basically between the circles at the top of the circles and no hesitation whatsoever. Campbell was there and set and ready. Like at no point tonight did I see a play happening and think, just hundred percent dialed in. Yeah. He was solid. There were the first couple chances. I was like, Oh shit. But then after that, it was like, nah, dude's got this tonight. So definitely a, uh, one of these. Good soup. Good soup indeed. (laughs) Thank you, Adam driver for that. Uh, I learned this week he was in the military before he became, became an actor. I didn't know that. I could see it. Yeah. He's very like serious and dialed in all the time. But, uh, anyway, um, I'm going to give mine to Mr. Morgan Riley. I think he had a fantastic game, uh, setting up the goal for comp and his goal going end to end, just whew, putting all the, uh, I wouldn't say haters, but anybody who doesn't think that he is an elite defenseman and, you know, underneath the likes of, you know, nurse and Wierenski and, uh, who else is out there that signed big nine, nine and a half million dollar deals like Jones. Jones. Seth Jones. Yeah. And honestly, his numbers, I think, are better than the rest of them. So I like mm-hmm. what we got. Absolutely. And do, you, do we think that that might be the first primary assist by a Leaf goalie since Freddie's lob pass to Marner in San Jose a couple years ago? I was going to say Campbell definitely hasn't gotten one this year. Um, I don't remember the last one. Before. Like primary assists are pretty yeah. hard to come by for goalies. No, I'd have to look that up or... Yeah, maybe we'll find that on our break. Because I know a couple of years ago, Freddie had a nice, a beautiful lob one. Marner was waiting almost at the far blue line in San Jose. And as soon as he buried it after the little breakaway, he turned around and just pointed all the way down the ice at Freddie. Let me check. Leafs goalie. Primary. Assist. Player stats. Primary. Second. Okay, let's go. Um... Oh, no, this is only going to show me by season. No, I'm not going to be able to find this quickly. Um, so let's go to our pigeon coop for questions from Twitter. <laughs> I love doing that. Uh, Luke Man from Australia. Uh, does this erase the trauma of the 7-1 loss in Hockey Night in Canada earlier this season? We have won 10 and 3. Uh, t- we, we have won 10 and 3 um, in the next two frames after that, I think. Yeah, this definitely does. I think this team is addressing issues internally now. We're going to see Dubas address them externally, and I think in the next couple of weeks. But I think as far as what they've got, everybody's been stepping up their game and improving, especially from last year. All the people that started with them beginning of the year are finding their roles and have settled in nicely, like Kasha and Kampf and Bunting. And I think that's all of them. But yeah, I think everybody's been great. Especially once we figured out that uh, Nick Ritchie doesn't fit in the lineup. Did you see how miserable he looked in the after he scored that goal for the Marlies? No. Oh, he did not look like a happy man. Oh god. Um, I I kind of agree with you. It doesn't completely erase it, but it's kind of like a little emphasis that okay, you know what? That was just one game. Everybody has those games. Um. And it's nice to see, even though, like all season long, if if one line or one player is having a bad or a rough time, the rest of the team's been able to step up, and that's that's what we really need to have, and we need to see, like all throughout January, Soupy didn't really have it was the greatest January. No, 
but he was still winning because the team stepped up and played for him. And yeah, that's he, something that has been lacking in previous seasons. He had a great winning percentage, but his save percentage was like 880. <laughs> yeah. But hey, as long as you're winning, it's like, hey, look at uh, look at the 80s. They all had 800 save percentages in one games. Uh, SC Morgan at SC Morgan author asks, who's the team dentist? I don't know, but they're making a load <laughs> of money. We're going to see Austin and, uh, and Mitch on their billboard soon, though. Look at the work I did. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Alan at Alan8632348. That's not a real handle. If you didn't have a profile picture, <laughs> I would think you were a bot. But you are, in fact. Was there no smaller number? I'm sorry, Alan. Um, we all know and believe that we need to upgrade the D position, but who's the most viable and cost-effective D-man that we could possibly get? So I've talked about this a lot. I think it's Justin Braun. Uh I th- or somebody of that like 1.8 and below um, salary and right-handed D that's going to be second, third pair floating like a Zach Bogosian type. I don't like this talk of Ben Sherratt. I don't think we're getting a top no. four defenseman. We can't afford one. We can't afford to give up the pieces we have. I don't want it to happen. Um, and Sherratt's not a top four. No. And in, my, in my opinion. His numbers are, are awful. He takes so many penalties. It's insane. Uh, I would rather than, like I said, somebody not Bogosian because he doesn't want to come back here, but somebody of that nature that's hard hitting and can be either a seventh D or the fourth or the sixth, like, you know, wherever you feel comfortable with them, like somebody who's got playoff experience. And uh, I think Philly's in fire sale mode and Justin Brown's available. So I say go for it. You can probably get him for pretty cheap. Braun wouldn't be a bad pickup. I, I, for some reason, he wasn't even on my radar when we were thinking about trade scenarios um, a week or so, a couple weeks ago. I, I keep coming back to to Severson or Manson. Um, I know Severson's a little more pricey, but he does have an extra year left on his deal. Yeah. Um, from everything that's been said, it sounds like the Leafs will be on Manson's no trade list. Cause he's got what a 10 team, no trade list. Yeah. He doesn't want to come to Canada. So it's, it's going to be really interesting. And I still think it's going to be someone completely off the wall. Cause that's kind of Dubas's way of acting. Right. I mean, we've heard they're in the top running, or at least that's how the Toronto likes to frame it for Sherrod and Montreal is willing to retain 50% of his salary. So, I mean, it, it's a possibility. I just don't like it. Uh, people have also talked about Luke Shen. I think that's maybe somebody more in the in the realm of what we're looking for. As funny as that would be to have him back, I think it could happen. Nostalgia in me would love that. Me too. Um, but what about someone off the wall but a little lower end? Like what about Scott Mayfield or Chara even out of the island? Chara would be so fun. Man, if, if the Leafs in the last two years had Joe Thornton, Jason Spezza, Zidane Chara, like I would just... Like, what is happening? Right. Did I make this team on NHL 07? Like, what is going on? Right. But, like, it. yes, it was his first game playing on the offside in an NHL game. But I think Sandine can make it work. Yep. I do, too. Put Sandine up with Muzzin. You can pick up a Mayfield or a Chara to play on the bottom pairing with Dermot. Ship Hall out for a bag of pucks. 
Yeah, I think at two million you have to move Hall. You have to move Richie. Uh, I don't like this talk of moving Kerfoot. I don't care how much, like three and a half million or whatever he's making is like for what he's bringing is. Come on, you can't get rid of that. It, it's a bargain. It's going to move Mikheyev over Kerfoot. Yeah, move exactly because Mikheyev is somebody that wants more minutes that he's not going to get in Toronto. I know he requested the trade and they said no. I still think it's like he's not going to get better unless they give him more minutes. He's going to stay at where he's mm-hmm. at, and I don't think that's valuable to them. I think they have other people that have a higher ceiling for that role, and uh, they can get a lot for him because teams want that. It's funny. Absolutely. The Justin, the Justin Braun thing, I'm, it was brought up on when I was on Battleborn Fan Talk. Uh, Josh Anselmo brought up Justin Braun because I was saying I always forget his name. Who was it on Philly that I wanted to get? It's his partner. Provorov? No, not Provorov, the other one. Oh, Sandheim? Sandheim, yeah. So I was talking about getting Sandheim because he's got two years left on his deal. And Josh brought up Justin Braun because he makes less money and he's the right D on that line. And I think that's a great move. And then all of a sudden, in like the next week after that, I start hearing his name and seeing it on all these things. But like, I got a shout out. He was the first one to bring that name up before all these insiders were talking about it being a possibility. So... (laughs) Nailed that one. Um, so that is it for the Twitter questions. <clears throat> um, we will go to break, and when we come back, we got a lot to talk about between Olympics and uh, Adam Brooks, and there's a lot that happened since we were last here. So we'll be right back. Uh, you're listening to Leaves Light Night. If you are listening on Spotify, remember to please leave us a five star. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a a nice little review and five stars or whatever you're listening on. We appreciate it. And uh, again, I'll ask when I post this, if you can retweet it, it gets to more people and that uh, that helps us out. And with that, let's get into least late night news. (laughs) Oh, I always wanted to use that one. That's fun. So, um, in Leafs news, Leafs claim Adam Brooks off waivers. Also in Leafs news, uh, Leafs place Adam Brooks on waivers. <laughs> that was a very weird couple hours for that guy. Yeah, so it, it gets really confusing, and I might not have it 100% correct, but this is the, the brief gist of it. So, by them putting him back on waivers they can then bury his cap hit and then within a certain time frame they can still call him up and send him down without having to do the waiver process again but the only team that could claim him and not have to put him on waivers to send him down is vegas which would be hilarious if he goes from the leafs to montreal the vegas to montreal to toronto back to vegas yeah like holy dude i feel so So, bad for this guy yeah, but if you look at the the contracts, so each team can have 50 contracts. Yeah. And Vegas, I believe they're at 48 right now. So the chances of them reclaiming them are slim to none. Especially with just activating Jack Eichel. Like they're playing 
salary cap gymnastics as it is. So I don't think they want to add another one to their books. There's a reason they put them on waivers in the first place. Yeah. And then claiming Brooks put us over the cap. So that's why Lily had to go down. But then if Brooks clears, then Lily can come back up. It's just, can we just have, this should be our chat actually. Can we just have a soft cap slash luxury tax? Like Alan Walsh has been calling for this for so long. He's a uh, prominent, very outspoken agent in the league. Uh, he's got a podcast as well. Um, can we just have like the NBA does and just pay a tax if you go over the salary cap? Because really, like it doesn't fix the parity in the league. I mean, the teams that like, come on, the Florida Panthers are a small market team. The Tampa Bay Lightning are a small market team. There's not I've been down there to leave games in both barns. There's not a ton of fans in Florida like but those teams are amazing. That's a different scenario because they have the tax benefit, right? That's also true. You can offer someone five million down there, and it's it's five million. But if you offer someone five million up here, it's like three and a half. But you're, you're yeah, that's fair. Um, but I think letting these teams that have the money, like come on, Montreal Canadiens, should be able to spend a bit of money to not be in the position they're in right now. They should be able mm-hmm. to buy out these contracts of Weber and and all these guys that are just going to be sitting around and and move on to putting a team back together. Like, and I'm sorry, but Arizona, regardless of how this salary cap is structured, is not going to be a competitive team until somebody else buys it and they get a real barn and I don't know all of their 47 draft picks all pan out that they have this uh, yeah. summer. By the time they relocate to Houston, but. Exactly. But at that point, (laughs) they're going to have all of these first round picks that they've collected. They're all going to want to be paid at the same time. They're going to say, well, no salary cap. It's like I let the teams that have the money spend the money they have and be penalized for it financially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't see it it being a bad thing because if you talk about parity wise, the teams that have the financial backing, they will still find a way to gain an edge. Exactly. Whether it's with coaching or trainers or... We created like Robida a- Island, anything. guys. Like Exactly. Leafs, the Leafs started the whole, like, send somebody on LTR to make them disappear thing. Like, Joffrey Lupul? Where did he go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> My God. Yeah, uh, I, I, I completely agree. So that kind of takes us into something that was talked about in our little Twitter group chat um, about the NHL and 20 of the clubs, which I think is all the Canadian ones are um, included in that, are suing their insurance providers for lost revenue because they're not covering their lost revenue from the pandemic, but they're claiming that in their contract uh, it never says anything like that. So the MLB already won a similar case like this. And set the precedent. So this this is kind of interesting. Um, Bean, would you like to explain why this would be interesting? Well, it would be interesting because the cap and increases to the cap is all based off of hockey-related revenue. So everything from ticket sales to the TV contract, jersey sales, you name it. Anything that is a revenue because of hockey um hrr for all the uh business insiders there 
<laughs> yes. So if if this goes through, considering they are suing the insurance company for lost revenue because of the pandemic and not being able to have fans in the stands, that should go towards hockey-related revenue. And if you all Keyword of a sudden should. have... <clears throat> yes. There is... A couple people have said that there's a chance that the owners wouldn't put it towards the hockey-related revenue if they won, but I don't think the Players Association would stand for that. So if you had, out of nowhere, let's say a billion dollars, all, all of a sudden inf- like injected into the hockey-related revenue, they're going to have no choice but to be able to raise the cap. Now, it's not going to go up by $10 million or anything crazy like that. But even for a team like Vegas or, or like the Leafs or any of these cap-strapped teams, going up an extra $2 million when they only thought it was going to go up 500000 that could be a huge difference. Yeah, I think it's supposed to go up a million next year. So if that was like three or four, that's insane. That's a whole between – that could be one player. That could be four extra players for your team, depending on how you, uh, yep. you play it. So – the reason I say a keyword should be hockey related revenue is the league has a history of fudging the books so that like anything that they don't want to be hockey related revenue isn't because the flip side of the salary cap is it is there. So owners don't sign stupid contracts. It's to protect them from overpaying people. Uh, so if they can take an excuse to keep the salary cap flat longer than it was supposed to be, then yeah, they're, they'll probably take that out. Yeah, it's it's such a gray area because they not only is there just the the revenue itself to worry about, but it's the you have the escrow and the money lost that the players had agreed to pay back during the whole pandemic and bubble scenario. Yeah, so it's there's a lot of moving parts in it. But long story short, and to simplify it, if the league were to win this lawsuit, it can only help the salary cap. Yeah, so we're hoping things go in favor of uh, of the players and of the uh, the league and those. Well, I mean, the league for the initial lawsuit and then the players afterwards. But uh, the other one to watch right now is apparently the MLB talks today ended after a hot 15 minutes. So uh, probably a lockout looming there. Not a good time for finances and sports right now, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of, I guess we'll just start leapfrogging through topics here. So on jumping off the pandemic and NHL players, uh, we can move over to the Olympics where there were not NHL players and Canada and the U S both got knocked out. Um, mm, yeah, I mean, we weren't expecting big things from this team with the lineup we saw, but still it hurts. I I think. Canada wise anyways it had a lot to do with the approach they took right like not nothing against Cloud Julian but you have him as your coach you have Eric Stahl as your captain Stahl's a phenomenal player I don't want to take anything away from what he's accomplished in his career but he's not Olympic caliber anymore no so that's why he's not in the NHL anymore Exactly. They built this team. Yes, they can play defensively, but they didn't have enough finishers. I have no idea why they didn't try to bring Connor Bedard. I think they focused too much on guys that had the experience instead of guys that have the potential and are playing Mm -hmm. for something and are trying to get noticed. Like, it's not like 
Eric Stahl is going to come back from the Olympics and get an NHL contract for how he played there. Whereas yep. some of these kids that go there, if they play really well, they can move up their draft spot. Like, you know, that, that should have been the entire approach to this. That's like the U.S. team had, what, 15 collegiate players on it? Yeah. I mean, they still they lost, the com- but... Complete opposite direction, but it had the interest. Like, there was a lot more fans from the States watching the men's Olympic team than there were from Canada watching the Canadians. Yeah, I watched, like, one and a half games of theirs. I, I watched more of the women because theirs was more exciting. And they won gold! Captain Where? Clutch. Where's my clapping? Oh. <laughs> Yay! Marie-Philippe Poulain, first hockey player in history. Male or female? Score. Just, yep, just hockey player. Take that old school um, <laughs> to score in four separate Olympic gold medal games. Absolutely wild. And uh, Sarah Nurse with 18 points to break the record for uh, most in the tournament. I think she had five goals and 13 assists. I saw her goal in the gold medal game. It was beautiful. Uh, I found out she's Darnell Nurse's cousin. Mm-hmm. Kind of cool. I think she has another cousin who's in like the WNBA or something too. Like their family is just insanely so, yeah. good at sports. <laughs> Must be nice. Yeah, just an incredible game. And then shout out to Hillary Knight, who has been nothing but outstanding for oh, Team USA the so entire good. time she's played. Uh, but yeah, Team Canada's goalie. Uh, I, I'm forgetting her name. I apologize, but just absolutely unbelievable in that game just the whole team like yeah. the team just completely dominated the entire tournament tournament sorry like it, it it was it was a very 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 strong performance from the team and definitely a bounce back from losing in 2018 to the united states yeah it's always nice beating the u.s eh? shout out to our u.s listeners love you guys <laughs> uh and Somebody apparently no go on. Oh, I'm still looking. Apparently, um, I had heard today that apparently the American goalie Alex Cavallini was playing with a torn M- or torn A or MCL. What? Like it happened not long before the tournament, so she had like no practice time or anything like that. That's kind of wild, right? Um, who was it? Somebody tweeted saying that I'm trying to find it. But uh, saying that a lot of these women could, like from Team Canada and USA, could be on AHL teams at least right now and make an impact on those teams. Like, when are we going to start seeing that? Because honestly, this needs to happen. If we're not going to take their league seriously, and if, I mean, they're split up right now. If you want to follow what's going on with the Women's Hockey League, there's... A lot of infighting and there's two leagues so hopefully they can come together but for now it's kind of up in limbo so yeah and it, it's it they're not wrong like you look at how some of them play the speed the skill like look at the all-star game from a couple years ago when the american kendall coin scofield came and like blew everyone away at the faster skater competition yeah like look at look at how murray murray philippe Poulin plays she is so strong on the puck I don't care if you're a man or a female 
I'm, if she's got the puck on the on the boards, you're probably not going to get it off of her. No. Like, Especially if you're an AHL player. So, like, why aren't they there? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, I the only thing that I would worry about is how they would handle the hitting. Not that I want to be very careful with how I say this. No, I I get where you're going though. Be- because like, they, not that they don't play physical or they couldn't handle the physicality. Just they haven't grown up with it, right? Like, it's part of the game in men's hockey. Well, it used to be right from the get-go. I can't remember what age they started introducing it now. I think it's 12 years old, somewhere around there. I think so. Um, so it, it's a completely different mindset. Not that they couldn't handle it, but it, it would be, I think, a little bit of a, a curveball to throw at them. But, I mean, again, we won't know until we try. So I think... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think 100%. Yeah. Um, but things are moving in the right direction all around. I mean, like we talked about, Vancouver just hired two women as their AGMs under Jim Rutherford. And uh, I hear that Teresa Retch, or I think, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I apologize. But the VP of the Toronto Raptors is inter- in the shortlist uh, being interviewed for the new GM position in Chicago. So that would be cool as well. Be the first female GM. Yeah, like I was saying in our little chat there, Johnny, they they definitely meant it when they said that they were not not afraid to go in a different direction if needed when the looking for new leadership for the team. Yeah, so and it's, it's nice nice to see. It's definitely not Rocky that's uh, making these choices. Hopefully, Danny's <laughs> stepping in to bring the team into a new direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was something else I wanted to touch on, wasn't there? Oh, yeah. Um, So what do the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Ottawa Senators, and the Calgary Flames have in common? That is a good question. They are the only Canadian teams who still have their coach from the beginning of the season. So uh, since our last episode, Dave Tippett (laughs) and uh, Dom Ducharme were both relieved of their head coaching positions in uh, Edmonton and Montreal, joining the likes of uh, was it Benning in Vancouver and uh, uh, Paul Maurice Maurice who stepped down down in Winnipeg. So that's why I couldn't remember because he wasn't fired. Um, Marty Saint Louis. What do we think of that? I mean, honestly, he's one of my favorite players. I actually met him uh, the year that they won the cup because I was lucky enough to be uh, to have a little family tie to the the Lightning at that time. But um, I like him. I just don't know if he's a coach. He coached Pee Wee. But I mean, yeah, I th- that's th- kind of what he's doing with Montreal, right? It's a bunch of kids that and a bunch of old guys that don't care anymore about winning because they've won like nine games. So go out and have fun and i'll uh you know i said it last time i'll have uh dairy queen for you when you come back like i i get it um you have someone like at, at this point in the season what's it gonna hurt right to take a chance um and even uh gordon showed a little bit of risk when he hired kent hughes as the gm right yeah kind of going off the board. So then Hughes is just taking that and continuing it, going a little off the board for St. Louis. 
Now, it's I think it's it's kind of twofold for the players, the high skill players. So Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, basically that's it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Habs fans. Um, for those players, I think it's going to be great because that's the style of not that St. Louis didn't work hard, but he was a very high, high skilled player. And in his conference, when he was being introduced, he even had mentioned that, like, you know, I'm not really kind of going to focus on the systems or, or certain plans, just kind of give the players the freedom to play. So creativity, however you want to say it, which if you're that style of player, that's great that you don't have to worry. Okay. I know I've got to be on this position or else he's going to take ice time away from me. But I don't know if that's what this team needs right now. Like, I I don't think it's the right spot for that kind of uh, change. I think the, what you risk running into in coaching these young guys like that is creating an entire team of Patrick Lines who, Mm -hmm are going to be entitled and not going to listen to another coach because they got what they wanted once. And they're going to say, well, Marty, let me do whatever I wanted. So I'm not going to listen to your system because I've shown that I play better without a system. Yeah. Um, no disrespect to Patrick line because he scores. I mean, he's mm-hmm. like the next Phil Kessel. The guy just effortlessly scores a bunch of goals and kind of just gives no shits while doing it. Yeah, Absolutely. It's part of me almost wonders if maybe something like that is kind of going on with Edmonton. Yeah. Like, look, look at how many coaches they've gone through. Not yeah. that I, I don't want to pull the Toronto media because, you know, if that was going on in Toronto, it would be, oh, is Matthews and Marner uncoachable? Well, there was that famous time they asked Phil if he was uncoachable, right? Mm-hmm. So, Like, I don't want to say that about McDavid and Dreisaitl, but at some point you got to wonder. Well, oh, uh, Dave Tippett was brought in to help them play defense. And the whole narrative now is they refuse to play defense. So they fired Dave Tippett. It's like, how, how do you just keep rewarding these players with somebody else when they refuse to do what the, you brought the person in to do? Mm-hmm. Like, it's obvious. I mean, they didn't put the greatest team together defensively, but you still have guys like, look, the Leafs have proved that if you don't have the best defensive core, you can still develop something out of them and have your forwards help them out. But like nobody on Edmonton wants to play defense. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really odd. And you, you got to feel for the players too. Like <laughs> Nugent Hopkins is on his 11th coach in yeah, 12 seasons. Insane. I realized we did talk about this last episode. Sorry guys, but there's more, to, there's always more to say. Yep. Always. Um, I just like to touch one of my takes from the beginning of the season. When we first started this show, I um, dramatically claimed that the Sens would finish higher in the standings than the Habs. And everybody thought I was crazy. And here we are. The Habs are in the race for the bottom. So uh, I didn't expect to be right on that one. That was kind of like a bold, you know what? I think it was more that I thought the Sens were going to do well than I thought the Habs were going to absolutely fall apart. But Hey, I was right on that one, and I guessed the score. So uh, if you need any advice on betting, hit me up. (laughs) Except I did also think Cole Caulfield was going to score 30 goals this season. But so does Trevor Zegers. I wasn't going to bring that up. Yeah, I remember that tweet. 
yeah, Steph brought that one up that he uh, he said he was going to get 40. Ah, well. That one didn't age well. No, it didn't. But uh, you know what? I think he's still going to be good eventually as long as he doesn't. Oh, uh... uh, I mean, look at Jonathan Drouin, though. They kind of ruined him. Man, the Habs do not have a good track record with these kind of things. Look at Cock and no. Yemi. Ooh, what's the chance that Cole Caulfield gets offer sheeted by Her- the Carolina Hurricanes? <laughs> I, I don't know. If Just for Carolina... fun. With, with the owner, I, I could almost see it happening. But at this point, do you really, really want to push it? Yeah. Because Svechnikov should be coming up. Jarvis will be coming up in a couple years. Yeah, Montreal will have a lot of money, true. Right. You you don't want to kind of you've had your fun. You've you've poked the bear a little bit. You don't want to keep poking the bear. That's true. And also Bergevin's gone, so it's kind of like and it's you know, you're you're playing with a new uh, I mean, it is the owner of Carolina, so maybe he's kind of got it out with with Hughes, but and uh what's his name? Molson. But uh I don't know. It, it's it's always fun to see what happens with those two teams. <laughs> They've set a fun precedent. They definitely but have. I'm really looking forward to uh, the next couple of weeks setting up to trade deadline day. There's been so much talk. We've already had some people move. Um, we had Tyler Toffoli to Calgary, which I picked him up in fantasy thinking at some time before the deadline, this guy was going to go to a good team. Uh, I did not, however, think, and here's a little fantasy lesson uh, about the fact that if he goes to a good team, he's probably going to get moved down in the lineup. So, uh, He's on the third line in Calgary, and I mean, he scored his first game, and it was a nice goal. But he's not been playing a ton of minutes since. So, yeah, re- reuniting with his centerman from the Ottawa Sixty Sevens back in junior, right? So, I think. Oh, it, Toffoli was on the Sixty Sevens with Monahan and Gaudreau. Yep, you should have known that, Johnny. Come on, that's your area. I know, and it's funny because in NHL, whatever it was when those guys played for the 67s, 09 maybe, I remember playing um, Be a Pro and coming up on that team and playing with them. So, um, It's kind of twofold, right? Because Sutter gets a player who has been there playing under Sutter when they won. Yeah. You know, he was on the Kings in 2014 when they went to the Cup. So... If there's ever any riff in the dressing room, Sutter can say, hey, talk to Toffoli. Toffoli was there, knows, okay, it, you know, we might be pissed off at him. We, we might not think that this is the best thing to do right now, but it works. So you have a player that comes in that can kind of reinforce what the coach is saying, knows what's expected of him, and you might even end up getting two players if he's able to rejuvenate Monaghan. Fair, uh, because Monahan has been slumping and has just been getting bumped down the lineup every year. It's kind of sad because him and Gaudreau were absolutely fantastic at one yep. point. Um, I'm just trying to look. Okay, so picture. So Montreal now has their first because it's protected, right? Uh, between theirs and the Carolina. Carolina. So they don't get Carolinas, right? If they get theirs, is the deal. Well, because one of them would be going back in the Toffoli. Or, hang on. Because the Carolina one says. 
Oh my gosh, this is so confusing, these conditional draft the, picks, man. Yeah, I think they're all just, um, as far as I can remember, I think they're all just top 10 protected. Yeah. So the better, Cal- so conditions, the, the, the better of Montreal or Carolina's 20, the, the, the Coyotes one with Dvorak was conditions, yes. the better of the Montreal uh, or Carolina's 2022 first round pick. But if either are both top 10, then Montreal will instead transfer to Arizona, the worst of Montreal. Oh my God. <laughs> Montreal's got a couple first round picks. It's either two or three. I can't really tell, <laughs> but this it looks good for them, I guess. I mean, what do you think of the actual Toffoli trade? Because it was Toffoli to Calgary for uh, a first, fifth, Emil Heineman and Tyler Pitlick. Well, Montreal is basically collecting all the Pitlicks at this point. Because um, <laughs> they already have Rem Pitlick. <laughs> That's a good one. And then they get Tyler Pitlick. And I think there's another one in there somewhere as well. Um, but it, really at this point, it's, it's one of those at the time, it looks like a win-win for everybody. The Habs aren't going anywhere. They need, no. the, they need the draft capital. So they get draft capital with it. They get rid of a player that by the time they are good again, he's probably not going to be worth what he's making. Yeah. And he's going to absolutely give up if he has to play for this team for another season like this. Mm-hmm. And then they get a prospect who, depending on who you talk to, is very, very promising, right? Like it, prospects are so hit and miss. You can have one that five teams in the league love, and you can have one that 30 teams in the league love, and neither of them could ever pan out. Yeah, it's hard. Um, Just before we close it off here, uh, Jack Eichel made his debut yesterday. And uh, they got shut out by Colorado. And I got a, uh, a shut out from Darcy Kemper on my fantasy team. So thank you, sir. Helps me beat Steph this week. And uh, I, before we head out, I've got a little This Day in Leafs history for you. Oh, yes. On February 17th of 1927, the Leafs beat the New York Americans 4-1 in the first game since they had their name changed from the St. Patrick's to the Maple Leafs. Oh, wow. Oh, on that, we got to talk about the jersey. You just reminded me. Okay, so during the intermission, we got the unveiling of the Winter Classic jersey. Oh, my good God. I know some of you like it. There were a lot of people that already bought one, and I've talked to you. No disrespect. I really don't like it. It looked the, my first impression was like it looks like something that you would buy from like a streetwear store. Like it doesn't look like an official jersey. It looks like something mm-hmm. that they've edited the colors on to make it look cool, so you can see it up close. But like to use that on the ice, especially in the Winter Classic when the cameras are farther away and worse. Come on, I actually think it will look better farther away because you won't see the as- arena. Yes, as you get farther away, you'll it'll basically look like a big T, which if you were going to go back to the old, the, the original team, forget the arenas. You've already done the arenas. Do the Toronto blue shirts, which was literally just a T on a blue shirt. Yeah, I just, I don't like, it's very dark. There's the one stripe at the bottom. I don't really love that. It just seems dark to me. I don't know. I like buffaloes. 
But something dawned on me today for the first time, and I don't know how this never has before. The Buffalo Sabres logo is a buffalo, but the city is buffalo. They're not buffaloes. They're sabers, which are swords, which is part of the logo. I get it. But why are why do why do you have a buffalo on there? You're not buffaloes. <laughs> You're the sabers. I think just because the name of the city, right? Yeah, but like I get it, but oh my god, come on. Yeah, at first blush, I don't like the jerseys. I was a little disappointed, um, but to me, nothing's probably going to live up to the 2014 Winter Classic jersey. That one was pretty much perfect. How do they show those two jerseys in a montage and then unveil this thing? And also the broadcast, they they got to get better at this, man. Like the communication was so off. They were talking about like, oh, look at that. There it is. Look at the jersey. And it's like, guys, we're still watching this, some video. You know that, right? Like there's there's something on the screen of like some historic team of the Toronto arenas. Like we don't see the jersey yet. And they were talking about outdoor games and they completely neglected the fact that they played a stadium series against the Capitals in 18. Oh, yeah. At that like military arena. <laughs> yeah. No, but we lost it, but nobody ever talks about it. No. Those That's because really... you couldn't see the team because the jerseys were entirely white. Oh, I forgot about that. They also don't really make like I get the first couple were a big deal because they were new. But because they've started kind of diluting this, they don't make enough of a deal out of them. Like, I got the the one in front of the mountains that Colorado and Vegas did was cool. But, man, they just don't make them that much of an event. They are when you're there, though. Now, I, I oh, guess. I, I, I bet. I guess the, the big house one that I was at, that's a little different with over 100,000 fans. But if, if you get a chance to go, you have you have to go. Yeah, I definitely will when I can. Um, I didn't get tickets for Leafs and Sens here in Ottawa in April, I think April 16th. So uh, that should be fun. It's always nice to take over the Canadian Tire Center with all the Leaf fans here. Absolutely. Uh, so if you are going to that game, shout me out. Um, Sadi is also going and he, so we're both taking our significant others and uh, we got tickets in the same row in the same section. <laughs> somehow so there's still uh, there's still tickets available if you live in the ottawa area or you want to come to a leaf game here they are so jacked up though i could not believe it oh I, I don't doubt it especially with the arenas not having full capacity in like two years man i like i've gone to games at the canadian tire center before for 50 to 80 bucks this was like and that's for decent seats too this was nosebleeds like 300s for 110 each yeah, I think which I know to people that go to games in Toronto, you're laughing and crying and screaming at me, but it's cheap. I think ten, 10 years ago, I bought tickets to Canuck Senators game and we were about five rows up on the blue line. It was, I think, 160 or 170 bucks a ticket. Yeah, if I'm spending 110 bucks, the Canadian Tire Center, I'm in like at least the 200s. So to me, nosebleeds for that was a little rough, but I get it. Nobody's been there and Eugene Melnick wants to make all his money back, so. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, like I said, leave us all the right. Justin, thanks so much for filling in when the others are gone. Um, no remember, like I said, we're going to have uh, guests on our next couple episodes. So stay tuned to hear who those are going to be. We'll keep them a surprise. Um, we'll say two of them are new. One of them is somebody you've heard before.
So with that, let's get out of here. And for the thousand and one time, my intro outro thing is not going to work. So I'll add it in post. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more.